The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Learn how you can support at secondlinearts.org. We're creating a platform for those who are curious. One that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time, captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Gregory Ajid. Welcome to The Working Artist Project. Mr. Darian Douglas, how you doing tonight? Gregory Ajid, I am doing good, bro. I had a great day today. Can you believe it, Greg? I did something I haven't done in months. I ran, bro. Did you really? Yeah, bro. I ran. You know, I had that uh, Achilles injury that's been plaguing me for two years at this point. But uh, yeah, bro, it was good, man. Everything, everything's good, man. How are you? I, I am actually, I was having a good day until you just told me that. I'm like extremely <laughs> envious that you're able to run because I'm I'm taking a, a running hiatus because I got some, some health issues that are uh, not made better by running. <laughs> so, well, if it makes you feel better, it hurt the whole way because I'm old. So I was thinking about you and saying, maybe I should go to this damn pool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, let me, hey, we're both old. And so I guess it's just like, I think I went to the doctor and the doctor was just like, yeah, that's what happens when you get old. It's just it's <laughs> to hurt and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's the beginning of the end. Look, okay, before before we go down a rabbit hole, let's go ahead and tell the people about the Sanaa Music Workshop and what we got going on this summer. So as you guys know, especially if you listen to us every week, we got the Sanaa Music Workshop that's brought to you by Isotope. Uh, down in New Orleans from June 6th to June 17th. And Greg brought one of his favorite artists to uh, come hang out with us in the kids. Right, Greg? Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm so excited that we're going to have the fantastic Marquise Hill coming down from Chicago for uh, the first week of camp. And uh, man, honestly, it's a true pleasure. And we're really honored to, to have an artist of that magnitude who is, again, just like a fantastic composer, trumpet player, and... Um, also a world-class educator. I know that that teaching is something that's very important to, to Marquise, and we're really excited that he's going to bring all of his skills and experiences down to uh, New Orleans and share that with the young people at Second Line Arts. Absolutely. So if uh, you know someone that wants to sign up, tell them to sign up quick. They have a few more weeks before we close registration, and we only have a few more spots open. Uh, we only take 21 kids a year, so it's a very exclusive experience. And uh, just head over to secondlinearts.org and just click that Sonata Music Workshop button. All right. Uh, we got somebody special today, right? Dude, today today is a special day. Um, some, some, you know, This podcast is an amazing experience because we get to interview people that we don't know. And uh, tonight is going to be an experience where we get, to, uh, we get to talk to a homie, someone that we know pretty well. And um, so, yeah, it's cool to actually get a chance to sit down to, with some of our friends, people that we played a lot of gigs with and uh, just see where they're at today and, and see how they do and see how they got where they're at. And, you know, just and see where the conversation goes, because when you know people too well, who knows where the conversation is going to go? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love uh, we have a, a fantastic uh, trumpet player and uh, composer, arranger. And uh, he's from uh, Florida. I, th- I believe Jacksonville, Florida is his, his hometown. He's going to correct us when he pops up if uh, if we did not get that correct. Oh, no. Oh, no. We must have not got it correct because he just popped up. 
but we have the fantastic Riccio Frugge in the house. Riccio, what's going on? What's going on? Jacksonville, right? Yeah, bro. I'm from Jacksonville. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I started second guessing myself. We got really nervous, and I, I didn't want. I know y- y'all Florida people get really uh, um, uh, offended if we we name the wrong city. <laughs> oh no, bro. You good, bro? It's it's a pleasure to be here, man. It's good to see y'all and chat with y'all. I'm, I'm honored to to come on to your your podcast, man. It's been a long time coming, and I miss y'all. Don't be like, come on, bro. <laughs> I miss y'all. It's <laughs> been a minute, dude. It's definitely been a minute. Um, we, we, Riccio and I used to play almost every Sunday with, uh, Christina Morales for a couple, couple years. That was, but we were not going to go, we're not going to dig into any of those stories. Cause those are like rated NC 17. <laughs> <laughs> facts, major facts. But yeah. Okay. So, so, so actually really, I think a, a fun place to start just, um, we don't have to dig into this too much, but yo, the first time I ever found out who you were was through a, a documentary that uh, I think I watched on Netflix. And this is this is kind of like way, a couple of years in the past now, but man, Riccio, why don't you tell us about that documentary and and what that experience was like? Yeah, cool, cool, bro. Yeah, so uh, I was in a documentary called Chops and it was a, a story of, uh, of my high school, Douglas Anderson School of Hearts. We were uh, competing in Jazz at Lincoln Center's um, essentially Ellington program. And that was like us, them following us uh, like it was basically over like four or five years, but it only looked like it was one year. Um, they followed us uh, having rehearsals, doing the travel, pl- doing the competition, and we ended up winning. So it got to be kind of cool to see so many of those things like come together from storytelling and like they kind of try to do it like a sports sports film. So it was kind of like, you know, like from that perspective, but doing music. Um, and so yeah, it was a re- very, very, very mind-blowing experience. One, being a part of essentially Ellington, which man, that changed my life and so many of my peers' lives. Uh, from that experience, but also uh, seeing the process of somebody like record, document, and like create something that like had lasting impact and um, affected a lot of people afterwards, you know. And so like a lot of my friends that I grew up with, um, like Jamison Ross and Alfonso Horn, uh, a lot of the cats that weren't in the documentary, like Theo Croker, like all those cats were part of the school we went to, but like they kind of just captured these nuggets that were actually just happening, you know, and it didn't seem that weird because we were at a school of the art. So there's, you know, y'all, you went to NOCA. So you, like, there's always like cameras around. There's always stuff like that. So it was a great experience to see that happen. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that like, when I meet people all the time, they're kind of like, wait, are you that guy from that, that documentary I saw? And I'm like, you yeah, cat from Chops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my hair's back almost as long now as it was back then. I, I cut it off for a while and I was back. Dude, um, the Jazz at Lincoln Center, essentially Ellington competition is like a pretty prestigious event. And, you know, it's funny, you know, being a teacher at NOCA, we kind of have this conversation every year and it's like, why don't we go to essentially Ellington? Um, but we don't have to dig into that. But, but man, what was that like? Do you feel like that was like, a, what was that experience like for you? And do you feel like that is like something that is worth the financial investment for high schools to to try and do absolutely absolutely unequivocally yes <laughs> uh yeah. through that experience we and so here, here's a story that that isn't really told about the documentary we went to do essential Ellington twice while i was there they did it you know a few times after that but the first time we went we were the supposed to be the hot shot school from the south that was like had all this notoriety and everyone who goes there is supposed to be so so killing all this stuff blah 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 we went and we got smacked <laughs> like we we look bad bro like i'm talking about like like real bad like you know what i'm saying and so like when we had that first experience we were like man like 
there's lots of people around the country who can really play this music. They're serious about it. They dedicate their time to it. And so we had like a, a year break in between us doing it and uh, rallying the troops again to uh, to go back. And the second time around is when they brought the, the cameras around because the cats who were featured in the film, they uh, they were like coming from middle school into high school. And so you got to see us go through this process of being like, oh, we saw what this is like. <laughs> like we saw how many killing musicians, how many killing bands really understand the music of Ellington and can execute on all different parts. Like, like actually the actual players in Ellington's band, like you saw all of that from a firsthand experience. So that informed how we went into the next, the next wave of doing that. And so like, that was like, like the, the generalization of how it happened for me personally, they sent out a, a clinician every year to your high school to like, give you like some like, Hey, look, we know you're used to this, blah, 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 blah. Here's some, some pointers. And Ronald Carter, the sax player, came to, to DA for, to be ours uh, the year we won. And he was actually the first person that I could say really validated or gave me like the, the stamp of like, yo, bro, like you have something special. I believe in what you're doing type of vibe. Like, he like, I was playing like third trumpet and I'll probably talk about this more later, but I was playing third, fourth, fifth trumpet for a lot of my life. And so like, he was kind of like, yo, you know, you don't have to be playing first part to be a leader. And I was like, what? <laughs> And so, like, personally, I felt like, you know, like somebody gave me like a, yo, bro, what you're doing is, is, is good. I support you. And I, I've never, never been able to, like, not appreciate how much that changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Max, how do you, how do you talk that? <laughs> yeah, oh, we do, yeah, we do this everywhere. So I'm going to chat everything in the chat, talking shit. A bit. <laughs> I was like, yo, this dude was like, <laughs> Like his arms did not move. Like his arms did not even, like no shoulder, nothing. It was all right. Was Everyone at home, I just typed in Winton plays fourth trumpet. So it's all good. You know, I looked, there's nothing wrong. It doesn't matter what part you play. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so yeah. Dig this, Recio. You, you just dated yourself a little bit because pe people may be listening to this and they're young and they may not know that before the internet was the internet, we had no idea what cast was doing in different states. We only knew what the cast was doing in our region, in our high school. And, and so because of that, you based your level on the people that were around you only, right? Mm -hmm. and, yep. and so, you know, I'm sure we all have, I have, uh, I remember the first time I heard Joe Dyson, you know, Alvin Fielder first told me that there was a kid named Joe Dyson who could actually play the drums. <laughs> and so <laughs> I said, oh yeah, okay. So then I went to go hear him and almost quit that night was like because he was like 13 or something and was a grown man on the instrument and i had never even i didn't even know you could attain that level of mastery <laughs> before you were 40. <laughs> you, so like that's a it's a different time that you're talking about right now and i think it's just so interesting to think like kids now are way better because they're seeing each other play on youtube from the time they're 10. Yeah. you know what i mean it's it's an interesting situation. So so you, at that time you think that Ellington was worth it, but I, I'm just just to play devil's advocate. I'm gonna say now it's not because we have the internet. So it's not really you don't even need that anymore. It's just, it's at this point it's just a trophy. I, I'll I will counter your uh your uh your pushback <laughs> with the fact that I think for us as musicians we need as many opportunities as possible to show validation and, and, and uh, quantify to other people who don't understand what's happening, what level of success is or what good is versus someone who's mediocre. I, I, and I, 
I've been kind of like on that vibe for a while because I, I feel like it's, it's hard for people to, to look at something like art subjectively and be like, oh, yeah, I think this person's the greatest of all time, blah, 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 blah. You know, and then when someone who's uh, from a, a credible source says, oh, well, this is actually how it works. I think that stamp of approval is something that we kind of really need to help all of us get a little bit more of a level up. And, and I say that because stuff like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a sports fan, I'm an avid football fan. And something like somebody knowing how much how many stats somebody has is like important to somebody who cares about sports. Oh, he he had 24 points and three rebounds and blah, 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 blah. They can't do that for what we do. So any way that we can have somebody who doesn't understand what we do understand that we're like of of, of exceptional quality, I, I gotta be like, hey man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's and, and I don't think I don't think views and likes are enough to validate in some ways. You kind of need some mastery subject, you know, some masters to be like, oh yeah, stamp of approval type vibe. Not saying that couldn't get weird or messy, but that's just my little my little two cents about like what we do and how like we can incorporate it into like how the world works now. I, I agree with that too. You know, I, I used to feel strongly about this topic, kind of kind of siding on Darian's side. But you know, it's funny because we, we both have uh, you know a good friend uh, um, uh, Jameson Ross who won the Thelonious Monk competition. And I feel like maybe like, you know, again, like these competitions, like the Thelonious Monk, I guess now it's called the Herbie Hancock Institute competition or like the Sarah Vaughn competition or what, you know, these like these random jazz things that happen. They actually do hook up people's careers. And, and essentially Ellington, I guess would probably be one of those types of um, experiences that, you know, for, for young high school kids, that is, I mean, that's definitely a huge, huge, wonderful experience for anyone to go through. Um, but yo, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm also like reflecting on the fact that like, we all went to an arts high school. And so I was wondering too, like, you you know, you also, you went to a very prestigious arts high school in Jacksonville, Florida. And I was wondering if you could speak on a little bit on that experience too, just, you know, being a a talented individual yourself, but also being surrounded by other like-minded cats who are essentially like at, at the top tier of, of our profession right now too. And, and how did, how did that influence your love for music and desire to, to become a professional? Man, it was, it was, it was a beautiful, uh, environment that I think is a very strange thing to like compare to any other situation. I wish, I wish I could go, Oh, well, I went to regular high school, like a, a, not a regular high school, a public high school, whatever that, you know, it was just like, some people wanted to play somebody, some people didn't. And we had a marching band, blah, 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 blah. That whole experience. I wish I had that. I did like literally everybody was at the school was like literally trying to be the best player <laughs> possible. And for me, I had a very interesting route because I was never the best person at school. I was never the best person in the section. I was never the best. Like I never was first or second chair ever at, at except, except uh, in the second band. I was in the, the big band too. Cause we had two big bands. Like yeah, I was like the second chair for like one year, you know what I'm saying? But after that, it was like, I was always like third, fourth and fifth. And so I have some things about like what I would suggest to music educators later that we can talk about about that mentality how that works and how like some things could have been weird because i honestly i don't know if like if ron carter didn't come to me like yo bro you playing third but you kind of leave the section your style your energy blah 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 that validation and like and and, and belief in me because i was always on, on back burner bro like like theo croker and alfonso horn had presidents for solos before me bro like <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you know and like these are like some of the the the, the kill, most killing cats on the scene right now, and so like there was also like five or six other really great musicians who, who may not still be playing, who were 
piping me like bro like, you know what i'm saying so like that the, the community vibe was i can say that the, the the competition that's around the idea makes uh a very great experience for like the energy to be like oh yeah i want to be the best so the competition was embedded in this very early and it was always a tangible like you are first second third fourth or fifth chair all the time like you always knew like every day <laughs> every every day uh I'm sorry, every every nine months or every semester, we'd have an audition. And so the day that the, the, the post was put up on the wall was the craziest day, bro. Like, you have, like, a, an extensive audition process. Everybody goes through it. Like, it's a whole week. And then, like, you walk into the band room. And you're like, yo, we're posting audition results today. And you're like, in the symphonic band, you're seventh chair. And then in the jazz band, you're second playing, you know, the solo chair. And, like... And like, so everybody be running to the thing, like crying, whoever got the bad spots, you know, so it was just like this whole energy around like being competitive and being great. Like it just was always a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Was, was so your program was, more centered around like big band playing or did you all like more like, you know, at NOCA, we, we don't really, I mean, especially with COVID, we haven't been able to do big band, but I would say the curriculum is more centered around like learning improvisation in a small group setting. Yeah. Uh, was that the same case for you? No, uh, it was it was a very specific big band uh, focus. Although, like the like anything that you did at the program was supposed to be like the highest level. Blah 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 blah. The symphonic band, all that it was all killing. Um, the 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 jazz portion of the program was big band centered, and the big band usually got the most awards, did the most trips, all that stuff like that. Um, and we actually were like centered around like the Gordon Goodwin vibe, you know, like the incredible soundtrack that was like. The, that was literally the vibe we was playing. You know what I'm saying? Like that was the more of the 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 trajectory of the the institution until the year we went to Ellington, the first year. And so we come from the <laughs> we come from like the 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 Gordon Goodwin vibe, and that's like how the the, the leader of the, the the school ran it. Like we came from that vibe, and then we started doing some Ellington stuff. Like, oh wait, what? Because we usually had like one great soloist in every chair. Like I'm talking about like Bob Reynolds. You know what I'm saying? T.J. Norris, Theo Croker. Like, there was always, like, one really, really killing cat you knew was going to be, like, you know what I'm saying, like, top tier in the profession. Like, always, like, that was always a thing. And then uh, when we went to Ellington, like, the vibe or the mindset didn't work. And, bro, I'm going to give you some gossip and give you some juice. I don't, know, I don't know if I've ever said this out loud or public or whatever, but uh, the second time we went to Ellington, the band started having rehearsals with our director, bro. Me, Jameson, and a couple other cats were like, we would organize rehearsals without our director. Like, yo, we need to do this thing a different way. And like, so we had like, like, uh, we turn off all the lights and be like, yo, let's listen to this and make sure you hear blah, 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 blah. And so we had one concert where we kind of like shifted everything that was going to be happening that year. Uh, Corey Wilcox was in, a, in, the, in the trombone section that year too. So, so <laughs> we have a performance every year in, in, in Jacksonville. It's a big show. It's huge. Like, you know, thousands of people come. Like, it's the biggest thing we usually do. And it's, it's called, the, I think it's called extravaganza. And like, so like, it's like a big donor thing. And so we had secret rehearsals to schedule around doing something that our band director didn't know was going to happen. And so we all figured out how to like put in, uh, we played Saints, to be honest with you. We played Saints in, 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 inside of Black and Tan Fantasy, I think. And so we didn't tell them this was going to happen. We just like had uh, Corey Wilcox walk off stage grab his dad's sousaphone. <laughs> and then like, when we got to a part of the song, he was directing us and all this crap. And he was like, uh-uh. And then 
Somebody kicked it off. We played Saints and like dog. I'm telling you, like, it was the craziest thing you could ever imagine. Because our band director is like very, he was very intense. And he was just like, you know what I'm saying? Like it went well. If it didn't go well, we'd have been screwed. But since we smashed, like got standing ovations, everybody went crazy in the crowd. It was good, but like, like we really had to like take ownership of all the stuff we were doing with the music. We literally had to like be like, yo, this is ours. Like, you know what I'm saying? We can go back and forth and talk about stuff, but like we're invested in making this happen. And it I did did it pay off? Yes. <laughs> It surely did. Man, that's actually a beautiful story for you, for, for so many young people to, to say, you know what? I love this music so much that I needed to go another way, but I can't really communicate that with the powers that be. You yep. know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, I, I would say be careful with that if you and somebody banned in real life because your ass is going to get fired. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. That, that, that's not something I would say should happen at all i'm I'm saying like i don't want to say that's that's the status i'm just letting you know like how deep we got into trying to find a vibe <laughs> i just don't want motherfuckers, motherfuckers at home thinking insubordination is a vibe it's like nah I mean, you better play this shit we put in front of your ass that's it <laughs> I, I like the story a lot too because one you know we we um second line arts we've been talking a lot about the values that we have in, as, as an organization between darian and i and in our team and uh proactive perseverance is one of them. So I appreciate that too. And, and I, I think that like something that that's cool about being in an arts high school is that you find yourself, because you find yourself in that somewhat competitive environment with other like-minded cats, we're all trying to elevate their art or their game or whatever it is that we're doing. And you end up doing these little things where like you guys take initiative to like, yo, we're, we don't need the band director to shed tonight. Like we got to shed. And I feel like that's a very if any young person can take that responsibility onto themselves, like that is like a game changer for your life. Mauricio, when I I see the word mastery, what does that, what does that mean to you? Mastery. Interesting question. Mastery to me would be, from my perspective, I think it's, it's a, it's a, a bit nuanced because mastery implies something something from the jazz perspective that I don't think is implied in other parts of the world. Um, but mastery in terms of like what I would have thought from the process of like being a jazz musician, like, like you be the best, the best person on your instrument possible. You can play everything. The technique is all there, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's, that's cool. And I think, uh, it, it 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 lends to some things that I'm not exactly like aligned with right now, but I understand it. And so <clears throat> being a master of what we do, I think is a, is a slippery slope because I mean, we have the, we have this thing in jazz where we like, bam, excuse me, you know, <laughs> where we put like people on a pedestal and like, this is a master level of what we're doing. And I think it's becoming more and more difficult for us to even identify masters with how, how the world works with even viewing people or even seeing people who are great. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause right now most things are like, uh, they're kind of giving value based on how many likes, follows and shares or whatever right now. So you can get somebody who's not a master at anything <laughs> kind of half doing it, but are cute. And then like something goes, it goes well, you know, like, Oh, well this person must be the best in the industry. And so, uh, mastery in that regard would be like somebody's actually doing something really well they're mastering the, the idea of being a 50 percent good sax player 
<laughs> but doing it really well on the internet. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so for me, yeah, ma- mastery is, is something that, that it should be sought out f- for, for every musician who wants to be really good at what they do. However, how that translates to the, uh, their overall success in life, I think it's just as slippery of a slope as it's always been. I feel like there's been like great jazz musicians that we never heard of because they just never recorded. Like the baddest people playing solos 40 or 50 years, oh, geez, I'm, I'm dating myself, 60 or 70 years ago uh, were never recorded. Maybe they were like, you know, they had the red light syndrome. Somebody starts recording, they don't sound that good. You see them live, they sound amazing. They're the best you ever heard in your life. You know what I'm saying? And so I think there's a, there's, there's some, I have a weird relationship with the word mastery right now because I'm, I'm, I'm challenging some things about what I thought growing up versus what I think about now. And I, I, would, I would always advise people to start off with the, the goal of being a master of what you do for sure. And I think at some point, there's a threshold in any field where you go beyond the idea that you can even do what you're doing for the people you're trying to do it for. And that's why I'm kind of like, eh. that's a, a little <laughs> on a pause pet at that point. You know what I'm saying? That's just, per- that's a personal thing that I'm, you know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's an interesting uh, train of thought you know, and, and it's also interesting that right away you started talking about music, you know. I know for me personally, the first thing I think when I think about the word mastery is mastery of self or spiritual mastery, you know. And and to me, that is the highest form of mastery. Because then if you can do that, then everything else falls in place. Um, at the When you first started talking, you, you said something about uh, mastery and the negative content. Uh, connotation and I was thinking like about Kung Fu masters and like you know like all of these different forms of of mastery that are not not negative but I do understand what you're saying with music sometimes it does come off as as negative but that's not where I'm at that's not where I'm what I'm thinking about I'm just I was just curious like when I said the word what you thought and you thought about music so what happened that that is changing your your train of thought and making you hate somebody. Wait, what? <laughs> hate somebody. <laughs> no, I'm what? just what, what happened? Like, what, what, what's what's taking you down this road, though? You know, what you saying? know, what, you know what's funny too is like I, like even like adding on to what you were saying, man. I, I you know I always go back to music and my experience again, like back at Noka with you know young masters, man, cats like Sullivan Fortner and John Baptiste and all that stuff. Um. And, and also being able to see, like, to be mentored by people like Alvin Baptiste. But, like, I was striving for musical mastery as a high school student. But that, that mastery that I was striving for as a student, like, transformed into, like, mastery. Like, what you're saying, Darian, like, the mastery of my life, the mastery of self, the mastery of, you know, spirituality and things like that. And, and I appreciate music because that's, I, I think, like, the arts... And I think maybe athletics could also be definitely part of this too, but like you strive to like master like a specific skill and then you start to realize as a person like that mastery does actually encompass all aspects of life too, you know, not necessarily just a great trumpet player or a clarinet player or whatever, you know? Yeah, because being able to play the fucking drums good and in the real scheme of life and you guys know this now as we as we get old it really don't mean shit <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying like it, it it's like going to the gym Recio. you go to the gym you can you can perfect your form but then what's next 
But you're really going to the gym to master yourself because you got to wake up every day when you first wake up and you say, I don't want to fucking go run. I don't want to lift weights. I want to lay in this bed. It's comfortable. You know what I'm saying? You got two girls next to you. I know how you live your life. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's, it's just more comfortable to be at home. So that, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> what you got on that, Recio? Um, I, I was thinking about what, as you were talking about um, the concept of mastery. And I think more, so, more aligned with what y'all were talking about with like master yourself. Now that part is something that's newer for me for sure. And like, that is huge right now. Like I'm, I'm all about right now, positivity, uh, being aware of what, what, how, and what I'm thinking, what, how, and why I'm thinking what I'm thinking. And so in a moment, in a, in a, in a, in the course of a conversation, I'll literally be like, stop. Why did you have that negative thought? Where did it come from? How do we get out of it real quick? And then let's, let's make this a positive situation for you and for anybody else around. And so like, for me, mastery of self, that comes from like me starting to, starting to learn that. Like for a while, I, I think I was a bit uh, wrapped up in like how I feel and got, you know, like those all, all those things. And I think like I was on a, on a path of like thinking very negatively, but I didn't know why. <laughs> so now at, at this point, like, I'm like, oh no, no, everything that happens around me, like I can interpret it. I can process it and be like, oh no, no, no. This is, this is the good here. Let's find the good, chase that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, address the bad. If there's something that, that needs to be addressed as bad, cool, address it, but make the good and push forward with that. And I think my life has drastically changed from that, just having those few words be a part of uh, my my personal self mastery. You know what I'm saying? And so, like that's that's been huge because you know, like honestly, I feel like I, we can get into a cycle, and you know, everyone's going through a lot of stuff right now. Like no no one's not going through a whole bunch. <laughs> we all are, but everyone right now is also figuring out how to manage it, or they're not figuring it out. And so for me, it's like, oh, well, find the positive, address what you need to address. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Let's go with the positive. You know what I'm saying? Roll with that. And that's that's a, a mastery of self thing that I'm I, I feel like you tapped into that I wasn't even thinking about when you asked about mastery. But for, for me, like that's been my self work that I've been doing hard as hell for the last four or five months. You know what I'm saying? Like hard. Bro, amen. And I, I think too, like to add to like what Daria was saying, man, like I think it's it's what a crazy experience for all. I mean, I, I'm sure like all three of us could never have dreamed of the point of our life where we're like touring the world and like actually have achieved a lot of our like dreams and things like that but to put to have that realization too that like mastery is not all about playing the instrument <laughs> you know like and, and I, and I, i'm always i'm always really grateful for music because i feel like music was like again like my first step into this whole world that we're all kind of like hinting at right now or we're all becoming aware of now you know and 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 man i, I believe that again, like it's, it's our responsibility as humans to like pass on the arts. Cause I think that's like a lot of other people's introduction to this, this realm of self, you know, and community. It's yeah. As, as we become to get ourselves to know ourselves more, we also get to become better uh, community members. Recio, what do you do when your dream, you achieve your dream, when you achieve it and it's not, what you thought it was going to be. Oh, no, that's, that's very simple. That one, that one's a uh, <laughs> keep making dreams. <laughs> oh, keep, keep, keep making dreams. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like for, dream for, bigger. That's what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Dream bigger. Like, so an example of, of what you're talking about is 
what I what I like to do in my my time of like like figuring out what I want to do next, I always watch people who are in a scene that's similar to mine, but their their stuff works better. And I usually use comedy for that for, for that reference. Comedians do very similar things to what we do. However, they make a lot more money than we do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and and it's because of how they communicate what they do in their field, and also how they like they pivot faster than we do. Blah 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 blah. That's that's a whole rabbit hole we can go down. Um, so for comedians, like. I watch people like Kevin Hart and I'm like, okay, let's see what people say about what he does, but also let's analyze everything he's doing and why. So Kevin Hart probably worth like 50 or $60 million or more, right? He still does everything that like we're hesitant to do as people who are creatives on our smaller scale. He has podcasts, he has radio shows, he he does promos for everything. Everything that he does is kind of based around this idea of like, I want to be everywhere all the time so people can can come into my business or my realm and I can touch them and tell my story. But if people never hear your story, it doesn't matter. It, it just, poof. And so every time I get to the point when I'm like, oh, I found out what's happening in this scene. Cool. Let me master that and set my sights on something that's different and start chasing the hell out of that because I know what's happening on the level I'm on. Like, oh yeah, this is what happened to my level. Cool, 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 cool. The next level I want to be on? Oh yeah. That's, that's the sweet spot. And so I'll start analyzing people who are doing something in that realm. I'll I'm I'm a trumpet nerd, but that kind of transitions to the other stuff. So I'll watch people's careers, watch people what they do, what they post, what they say, how they're how they're moving and shaking and stuff. And so like I'll study somebody, like no no cap, bro. I'll just <laughs> study somebody's what they're doing on the internet and be like, okay, cool. Make a game plan. What do I do that's like that? What do I do that's not like that? What am I willing to do that's not? Yeah, okay, cool. We found my I found my my barometer of what I'm gonna do. Chase the hell out of it. And that'll be every every time. Every time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Until you got Jeff Bezos money, like, you're, <laughs> there's more to chase, dog. <laughs> Just more to chase. JB, baby. <laughs> he's trying hey, to go Greg. to the moon. Yeah, right. Hey. Greg, he's he's going Bezos to the moon. <laughs> Me and Greg moving to Mars, bro. Fuck hey, that. Bro. We out of here. What side of town are you on in Mars, bro? What side of town? All right. Our time share out there, man. <laughs> um. Man, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know, man. As 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 you're saying, as you're speaking, Risi, I'm like, I'm like having these like flashbacks of all these conversations I used to have with like Victor Goins when I was a little younger. And he he told me too, like, um, well, he didn't say this specifically, but he did give me the advice. He was like, yo, like when you when whatever you want to do, find someone that that you admire, that that you respect, and that you kind of like would like to have a career like theirs. And just like do what they do, like go on their website, make your website look like theirs. You know, check out their CDs, like make your, you know, like just again, like emulate your actions by what they've done. And like that, one of my favorite quotes that I don't even know where I read it now at this point, but it was like success leaves clues. And as cats like Kevin Hart or, you know, any of us or any of the people that we look up to, like every piece of doc, every documentation of what we're doing is a clue to success. It's like what you're saying, like, yo, Kevin Hart's got a podcast. Shit, I need a podcast. Kevin Hart makes movies. Like, how am I going to get into a movie? You know, or what, any any of these things. Like, you know, like Jameson Ross went to an arts high school. Guess I should go to an arts high school too. You know, so it's I, I love that one. Success leaves clues, and and to all you young people out there, man, like find find a hero, find someone that you look up to, and then just do what they did. You know, and, and try. Not saying that you have to be them, but like. Maybe look at that path, man, because people have already walked this path before you, you know? Um, yeah, bro. Man, we're flying through time here. <laughs> I, want, I really want to make sure that we're, we're digging into um, 
you're doing a lot of cool things these days. And I know uh, over the, um, you know, now that we're kind of leaving the pandemic era of our lives, hopefully, um, you know, gigs have been coming back up. And, and I know like over the last couple of months, you've actually gotten on some really cool gigs. And I was hoping that you could share uh, a little bit about what you're doing now and, and how you got these, 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 I don't want to call them big breaks, but like these, these new, these new gigs. Oh, yeah, man. I, I appreciate you segueing into that. And it's been cool. I'm, so up front, I, I've been playing with Carl Denson in, his, in the Tiny Universe for the past three months or so. And I also started playing with John Cleary and Absolute Wants a Gentleman. And so I've been <laughs> making the joke a little bit to make it all a little light, lighthearted. I've been making the joke. I've been a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a monster gentleman in a tiny universe. And so like I've been giving credit to everybody who's made short jokes about me all my life. Thank you. You fed into this energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> so uh so yeah I, start, I i started playing with those cats recently and man i my 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 life changed so quickly bro it's and i i'm so grateful and i'm so thankful to have been working on myself for all of the, all of it to start to happen because when it all came when it all started to happen bro like i'm telling you like you cannot imagine like the the, the gratitude and and I, I, I'm, you, you get, y'all have gotten the calls uh, like for me, like I, I was going through a rough patch. So like when those calls came, I was like, you know what? This really works. And so I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback off of that because I, I, I want to tell people about like how it all happened. But like five years ago ish, five years ago, I was like, you know what, Riccio, you've been playing really good third, fourth trumpet for the last, you know, 20 years of your life. I was like, what is what is the difference between you and them? I was like, what is Sean Jones doing differently than you? What is Trombone Shorty doing differently than you? What is, you know, wh- what did Miles, what did Kenny Dorm, what did Blue Mitchell, what did they do that was different than what you're doing? And why, how is that affecting your life? Because I've been an avid, you know, trumpet nerd and trumpet fan from, for, you know, 34 years now. Or not 34 years, about 30 years. I've been a tr- huge trumpet fan. And so I'm like, yo, like, I, 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 am, I am a man just like they are. I am a human just like they are. So I was like, I'm going to figure this crap out, like, five years ago. And I was like, I started watching videos of, and I, that's, I, that's how I learn. I watch videos. That's a, a medium that makes sense to me because I can see what they're doing. I can hear it, and I can process it from both angles. And so I started watching some videos. I'm like, yo, these, these, these cats are really playing this here for this reason, and, and it, it sounds like this. And I started to process that from that perspective. And on top of that, I was like, okay, well, I'm working a good amount. You know what I'm saying? I would have like pretty busy jazz fest, pretty busy French Quarter fest. And so what I was like, yo, like, what is the prop? What is, like, I guess I've been watching a lot of videos of business videos or like, or motivational speakings or something like that. I was like, what is the problem that I can solve in the industry? And I was like, people who have really creative and intricate music, musical uh, groups, they have a lot of, arranged horn stuff like there's lots of horn parts that are like there most of the time people either don't hire somebody to write the music for them so somebody can just show up and read it and so therefore there's like an hour and a half to two hours worth of music that somebody wants you to play but you can't learn all of that and memorize so i was like so maybe the the thing that i can bring to the table is i can learn how to show up to a gig with a lot of information and i can do it well with a smile and i was like oh shoot well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll show I'll show up to a one-off gig and I'll have like written out charts for like 16 songs. <laughs> like for one gig, a one-off. Like, c- can I do it? How can I do it? Like, what's the what what process 
do I have to go through to make me the best version of myself on the gig? And I was like, I can do that. So I did that for a, I did that for Weedy Brahma. I did for one of his gigs. Like I learned like so much music, bro. And I'm telling you, he counting this stuff off so fast. I was like, oh shoot, all right. And so like I learned from that experience. It was like, oh well, there's a there's a, a hole in the market where people who have really good music don't necessarily have all the pieces put together to hire the people they want. I'll fill that role. I'll fill that void. Yeah, I'm going to take a hit. I'm going to spend eight hours working on some charts that somebody else is not willing to spend. But I'll be on stage. I'll be there. And then after that, I can play all the soulful, beautiful shit that's a part of my life. Excuse my language. I don't know if I'm supposed to curse. Uh, soulful, beautiful stuff that's part of my life on the gig because I've done the other part so that the, the foundation for people hiring horn sections to be there, I've done that. And from that, I can also bring me to the table. And I'm telling you, like, that happened five years ago and, like, stuff started to change. Started to change. And move that forward. I did that for, like, maybe, like, two years. I was getting bigger gigs. I was getting, like, some better things happening for me or whatever. And through that process, I played with a few people here and there. A few people here and there was like, damn, this cat showed up to rehearsal with 16 charts and played all the parts just like the record. And play beautiful solos. And, like, he was really into the music. Blah, 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 blah. My first call I got was from somebody I played with three years ago. <laughs> we played, like, maybe three gigs together. They were like, yo, Carl Denson's looking for a trumpet player. And all due respect to, to Chris Littlefield. Like, I uh, know they had a, a he, he retired, so he's not playing with him anymore. And I was, like, trying to be very respectful of that situation. Um, uh, he retired. And they were like, yo, we're looking for a trumpet player for the group. Can you make February? And we'll see how it works. And we might be able to do long-term after that. So, bro, like, I got called on Wednesday. They were like, we need you there on Friday. <laughs> they called me on Wednesday to play a gig for somebody who's had the same trumpet player for 20 years to play on Friday. I was like, yo, <laughs> can I do this? Big shoes to fill. I'm <laughs> notice, man. So, bro, like, I literally went through the process, like, oh, can I do this? I'm like, yo, bro, why wouldn't you do this? Is there any reason, any logical reason you wouldn't put everything you have into the moment? And I did. So I went and learned a whole bunch of music that I didn't play. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of charts I never even looked at. And I flew across the country and, like, well, the, they, the, the, his manager called me and was like, hey, can you make these dates? Cool, I made the dates. Flew over there, met everybody that night. I'm sitting at the table. Hey, how you doing? My name's Riccio. Good to meet you. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. And then like the sound check <clears throat> happens, and then like I was like, "Yo, this 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 is the time." And so like I have more than that, but I've been rambling a little bit. But yeah, so my my thing I invested in five years ago, ten years ago, came back in a way that I was like, I could not have imagined that it worked out so perfectly. And I'm I'm just grateful, bro. Like <laughs> I'm so grateful, dog. You know, Recio, the universe is is very interesting because. Uh... This ha similar thing happened to me where when you're going through a rough patch in life where everything seems like it's fucked up, the universe opens a door. And and when, sometimes that, that door opens and you realize that there was some shit in front of the door. That shit had to move. <laughs> no matter what it was, you know? And, and then you go through the door and you're like, oh, this is great. And it's different than how you thought your life was going to go. But this is my new life. This is my new situation. I got to go forward from here. And I always tell people the universe will provide. The question is, are you willing to risk it all 
Are you willing to die for it? Those are the kinds of questions that the universe is going to ask your ass. If you want to be comfortable, you can be comfortable where you was at. So just remember that my name is uh, Pastor Douglas, and you can <laughs> sign up for my church at secondlineartsorg passing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, I love that. Yo, yo, Greg, should we play some music? We run out of time like a motherfucker. No, let's play some. But I just want to say too, I love that, man. Sometimes you got to open the door, but there's a bunch of shit in front of it. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to steal that one. All right, here we go. Y'all. Check this one out. This one is called uh, Tom Brown's Boat. Dig it. y'all hey that's Recio fuse right there on trumpet i don't know who else is in this band but he gonna come back in just a second and tell it. yo that was funky man hey man y'all sound like i was on drums man y'all sound good man i <laughs> <laughs> oh, appreciate you bro uh no that was actually aj hall on drums uh which you know y'all cats know very well and i think he was in greg's band for years too uh john Maes is on guitar max moran on bass shay pierre on keys uh, on that particular part of it was just me on, on the horn, but there's other parts that I haven't been released yet that are no, they're on there. Yeah, yeah, bro. That's a uh, Tom Brown's boat dock, bro. Um, that was I like, like I, I love I love that you, those are the cats in the band too because like they play in so many different situations, but they're always killing it, man. <laughs> just locked in, bro. <laughs> always locked in. But yeah, that was that was a that was a great session, man, and I, I I really appreciate those guys doing it. And um, we had a fun time in the studio. Like it was my first time recording as a as a leader, and so I was like, "Yo, bro, like you know, let let's go in. Like I'm gonna lay down a bunch of stuff, and then we can make some adjustments later." And um, this track, like this track, was like actually something we did in one take. Like well, we played multiple takes, but the actual recording that. You know, we just played like it was actually me playing from start to finish <laughs> like it's just me <laughs> like no like no edits no nothing just like straight up just like 
<laughs> me playing the melody, playing a solo, playing the melody again, playing like the outro. And like, honestly, it was, it was one of those like pivotal moments where like the stuff I was trying to make sense about my playing, it clicked because at the very end of the song, um, and maybe we could listen to that at the very end, but like the very end of the song, I played a note, a high note. And I know that's like, you know, like trumpet stuff, like oh, a high note. But I played a high note that I never really played a lot in my career. So I was in the session. I'm like, yo, like, bro, just go for it. It's a recording session. Like, do what you do. Like, do whatever. And like, so I was like, you have to tell yourself what to do first to even try it. And I was like, bro, go for that, that high E. And I was like, cool. And so I was like, hit it. And I was like, yo, that came out fat. <laughs> this is not. And so like, for me, like, it was one of those moments that clicked. And I've had like five or six of those moments since that day where I was like, yo, bro, like, you have to hear it. Think about it and be like, I'm capable of this. And set yourself for success to do it and then, like, just go for it. And, like, that happened on that session. It was, like, one take. I was, like, yo, bro, like, there's no way possible. I played for four minutes straight on trumpet. You know, like, playing trumpet. Like, you kind of on a little break. I played for four minutes straight. And, like, one take was, like, okay, this is it. This is what it is. I'll tell you this, man. When I walk into the studio, uh, I'll take take chances. But I'm I'm not going out there on a limb like that and playing a high E or anything. Like, if I haven't done it. If I don't know I can do it, I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, hey, bro. Man. I, I, go, go ahead, my bit. Look, all I know is I'll lay a big fat egg on the record. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, when you were talking about, like, joining Carl Denson's band, man, I was just thinking to myself, like, Bro, that must be so intimidating. It take a lot of courage to, like, get the call on Wednesday. And like learn the music. <laughs> I mean, you know, to to get everything together and then show up and have to like be on stage in front of an audience, and also be on stage in front of the band members who know what the music is and and take that chance and take that risk. And I was maybe wondering on like if you could. Uh, I was wondering if you could maybe speak on like advice on how to approach those like man those, those situations that that are like are intimidating on face value or, or situations that you do have to take a chance. Like how, how do you make yourself feel more comfortable in that type of situation? I, I appreciate you asking that. Cause that's something that like it, it has been resonating a lot with me recently. And for sure, for me, I know that I believe in myself now more than ever because I saw that I was capable of certain things and I didn't know that I was capable of it until I needed to for sure. But I would not back away from any situation now that uh, is a little bit intimidating. And so for me, I, I wanted to say this about say this to students and, 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 and inspire the, the next generation, because I, I think this situation is something that happens more often than people may know. Uh, but like the call you want probably is not going to come in the circumstances you want it to come in. Like you're probably not going to get called for a gig, your dream gig and be like, yeah. Uh, we want you to be here in two months. And then like, you have two months to work on the music and then show up and, you know, we rehearse for 10 days and then like, it'll be a great show. Like <laughs> not every situation. I'm sure that that happens. Sure. Not every situation is going to be like that. And for me, I, I knew myself, I knew that for me, I, I would be better off and more comfortable if I had charts that I wrote out and I could have like this, like this, uh, comfort zone. When I'm reading the charts, playing the melodies and stuff, like if I messed up a couple of things, cool, whatever. It's my first gig. It happened. I got called two days ago. You know what I'm saying? But I had this comfort zone there. And then outside of that, when I had solos, I was like, now's the time 
to unleash the the amount of like artist beasts that you've been building for years here. And so my 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 tip and my tidbit, this is my little like nugget to students. I don't know if this applies to every instrument, but for me and and as and for horn players or maybe vocalists who are like coming in to fill in or whatever, bro, <laughs> the sound check is the gig. The sound check is the first time that they actually hear you. When they see you, they make the assessment just like the crowd does. They look clean. They have on this outfit. They look like this. Everyone does it when they meet you. The sound check is your actual gig. And I'll say this because on the sound check for KD, I walked up, I walked up there. I was like, you know what? These cats have been playing this dude for at least 10 years. <laughs> most of these cats. Some of them for like two, some five, but most of them was like 10 years. I was like, you know what? The first time they hear me, they need to know that, oh, he came to play. And so on the sound check, I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Check my mic, blah, 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 cool, cool, cool. I was like, yo, like everything I want y'all to know about me, I'm playing it right now. And I, I, I had no lie. Like during the sound check, I saw them kind of like look over each other, give like a little, <laughs> little tap on the back, blah, 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 that type of vibe. Uh, my first solo during the show, like, you know, I have a thing like when I'm playing, like I don't really like to be up front if I'm not playing. So I just kind of step off to the side of the stage I'll play some tambourine or whatever, but like I don't want to, I don't want to impede on somebody else's like moment. Like if the bass player is taking a solo or the guitar player next to me is playing a solo, I kind of walk away and like participate in the music, but not like be in the way. And I did, I played a solo and walked away, and like I saw KD walk over to one of the guitar players, was like, yo. <laughs> he tapped me like, yeah. And I was like, yes, yeah, let's go. Uh, but but for me, like if I had to like say that to 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 give some nuggets to the next generation, like, yo, like you gotta know that these. The moment you're in and know how to, to to bring your best self when it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you are doing a sound check, you've never played with cats before, that is the gig. Like, you literally win or lose or, like, make your your, your claim to how bad you want to be there <laughs> in that moment. Like, that, you know, 25-minute sound check or 30-minute sound check, that's when it happens. Yeah, I, I love that, man. As a person that's been in the band, this <laughs> I've been with Bria Skomberg for nine years, you know. And so... I'm the only cat that hasn't changed in this last nine years. And when somebody new does come in, are you right? I judge them right away. Like, what's happening? Like, are you was are you ready? You got the right attitude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, when it's time to play, you gonna play this shit. Like, play this shit now. Don't. Consistency is key when you have a long term gig. You know, so it's more like, okay, cool. You gonna? I need you to kill it every time we play, not just the first gig and the 12th gig, like I, it's got to be very consistent. And and, and I want to hit on this point because we, this kind of came up, we, we had JD Allen on the show a few weeks ago. And, and I, I mentioned, we got into a little thing, just, I was just like, you know, it's kind of bullshit that in college, they give you a whole semester to learn three songs. I think that's bullshit. And I don't think that it represents, uh, I, I don't think it represents real life, you know, and we got into a little thing. He didn't agree, which is cool, which is fine. We don't have to agree. He made some valid points too, where like music takes time, which I also believe. I'm just saying what you're saying is that in real life, you ain't got time. So, you know, play this shit right the first time. Like that's that's really the vibe. Like, do you like to eat cheeseburgers? Cool. Well, you're gonna play this shit the right time. The first, you know, or you're gonna starve and eat beans, motherfucker. Like it's really just that simple. And it's that serious and you have to step into the music no matter what the genre is uh, with that level of intensity. 
I'm, I will also say, if you heard me the other night on my show up at Harlem Stage, I made a mistake, and they're probably going to fire me because you can't make mistakes on shows like that. But uh, yeah, Reese, yo, man, you right. Everything. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> Before somebody sent me an email, Greg, I heard you the other night, you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm just, I, I feel like my life, I've been just dry, lay, laying eggs on bigger stages. That's it, man. <laughs> But man, exactly. I, I think I think what's good too, like like preparation is like just such an important aspect of what we do. And I typed in the chat as you were talking, unleash unleash the subconscious. But you know, like when you uh, there's certain types of preparation, like you got to learn the tunes, you got to learn the heads, you got to learn the melodies. You know, that's that's real easy. You either know it or you don't know it. You know the changes or you don't know it. But then there's like that subconscious too, like when what you were talking about, like letting the cats know, kind of the vibe you were, you were going to bring in the sound check. Yo, we've been practicing our whole life and we've been, we've been learning all these lessons along the way. And, and that's when, you know, you got to understand when it's time to play the melody as written and when it's time to unleash the subconscious, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Look, man, uh, I ain't got nothing else for him, Greg. You got something? We can wrap it. Yo, let, <laughs> let's great, man. I had a great time. Let, let's wrap this up too. I, I want to bring one thing. So, like, so we we st- we kind of like started with the the high school experience and l- looking forward. And I was wondering, like, as a high school cat dreaming of being a music a working musician in your thirties, like you are now, is there anything that that um, was unexpected? as like a, as a teenager, like looking forward and now looking back, like are there certain aspects of your experience as a professional musician that like you did not know were going to be a part of your reality at this point in yeah. your career? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and that, that, that's a little bit what I, I hinted, hinted to earlier about me being like the fourth chair, fifth chair player. I never knew that I would actually have to be like, oh, you got to play lead and like not think twice about it. Like, I never thought that at that point that I would have to conceptualize what I do as a musician and shift it in order to be the best musician on my instrument. And I think uh, a mentality that happens for band directors, music programs that happen is that your first and second tier cats, they're taken care of. They know what they expect to do. And like, it's all good. But like the cats behind that, they can kind of get like in like this weird uh subservient role like like they're just like they're just kind of there to fill in the the gaps and i think i had to realize that like oh well ain't nobody gonna play this high g on this gig for me if i don't play it (laughs) you know what i'm saying i had to be like oh well whatever it takes to do that you got to figure it out like there's like your instrument that you're 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 playing there's expectations for that instrument the exceptions to the rules yes people gonna be like miles davis didn't play high notes cool but he could and he did when he wanted to. And so for me, I had to like really be like, yo, like you, especially, you know, like being in New Orleans, like cats play high notes all the time. It's, <laughs> you know, like, you know, cats can play the instrument in a way that like only maybe like one or two other countries in the world do. And so for me, I was like, yo, like whatever a part of you is like, oh, well, I'm going to be the soulful cat. I want to be like Blue Mitchell. I want to be like blah, 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 all these cats. I'm like, yeah, but you live in a modern society where people have expectations for an instrument. And so like, you have to be able to do that. Like you just have to be able to do that. And another thing that's not like trumpet specific um, is 
working with people and realizing that like everybody has their thing. Like everybody that you work with has a thing that they that they have uh they have like a they feel subconscious about it and they don't want people to know. And they're like, I can't do this. I'm not, not good at this. I'm not good at that. And everybody has a has a gear they shift into to compensate for that that makes them the greatest thing that you the only reason you know them is because they're that great. Like they shift into this mode of doing something so great because of the things that they're subconscious and like insecure about. Everybody, like literally everybody. And I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago. I was like, can you imagine us uh, having a conversation about like uh, dissecting Michael Jackson's musicality? Like, could I put a chart in front of Michael Jackson? He like sight read it on a gig. I do that. <laughs> He's a human, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that type of thing. Like there's some stuff people are hiding or like they are insecure about. And I just like, like, so for me, I'm like, yo, there's always some like thing that's there. And I, I, I'd make sure not to be negative about it. I'm like, yo, I get it. I got my things. I've had my things, my demons that I've been fighting to like, oh, well, I don't play high notes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, there's lots of trumpet players that are, are like, they can play different trumpet styles and be better than me. And I'm like, yeah, cool. But no, there's no other Recio out there, bro. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like just pick it back on a little story I want to tell. Like, yo, like, I had a situation with multiple people where I recommend cats for a gig and they'd be like, why, why would you recommend somebody for a gig and you want the gig? And I'm like, yo, but like, no one can do me. No one can, like when I go on stage and play music, I am playing all of my joys, all of my trauma, all of the things that like scare the hell out of me when I think about them. I'm playing that shit. No one can tell that story like me. So I'm not really competing against you, dog. Like, I, I, you know what I'm saying? At the, the level I am at as a musician, I'm not competing with you. I'm working to be in scenarios that make sense for me working with the people around me. <laughs> like, literally, 100%. 100%. I love that. I'm going <laughs> to just, uh, you know, but that, that's true, man. There's only one you. There's one, you know, th- th- that takes so long for musicians to kind of grasp. And you hear young musicians all the time say, I'm looking for my voice. And it's like, well, you, you got it. You just need to develop it. It just, you, you, babies don't do that. They don't be born and start talking and be like, oh shit, nigga, I, I wish I could, you know, sound like me. No, you sound like you from day one. That's just the way it is. Um, I, I did want to say something that, that I, I think about all the time. And, and this is the expectation, especially for students. And I'm not an educator, but what I have noticed, educators make excuses for themselves not having high expectations for their own students. And to me, this is complete bullshit. And every time I hear it, I call it out because people say things like, they're only 12. You see what I'm saying? Oh, he can only X or he's that. No, she's no. Fuck that. The expectation is excellence. The expectation is you need to do the best that you can do, period. So I'm trying to get the best out of you not compared to anybody else. I need you to wake up every day and try to be 1% better than you were yesterday. And if you do that, and if educators can get that in their brains and not say, oh, this kid has talent, he's number one. You see what I'm saying? Ellis told me something. He said that uh, you never can tell who's going to be great. And as an educator, that fucks people up because they latch on to the John Baptiste's and forget about the other 30 motherfucking kids who have just as much untapped talent and ability. 
Once again, I'm Pastor Douglas, and I'm dropping a mic. Hey, look, I, I, I think that's a good place to end it, man. I, I really appreciate what both of y'all said. And, and Risa, I appreciate everything that you've been you know, sharing with us this evening, man. I, 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 man, I, I thought this was a great podcast, and I think you dropped a lot of great knowledge. And, man, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank y'all. Yeah. Uh, let me close out with a little plug. You know, you can uh, go well, through. What's up? You didn't even give me a chance to get my next Darren, line in. Darren's going to line. Darren's going to line. Let, let Darren get his line in. It's my line, man. I say the line every week and you try to take it from me, man. Here no, we no, go, no, y'all. Was... <laughs> <laughs> now, y'all, everybody who listens to the podcast, y'all know this is my line. That's all I'm saying. Riccio, man, it was great to have you on the podcast, bro. But before we go... <laughs> We want to make sure we give you an opportunity to sell your headbands and your CDs and your trumpet plungers and draws to all the women's. Where can they connect with you on the social medias and your website? So, <laughs> you know what? I wasn't ready, dog. I wasn't ready. I was... You got me on that one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm playing a lot of shows for the next few weeks. Um, I have this... Uh, I have a mission to take pictures of everybody I know who comes out to my shows. For the next few weeks, you see me at French Quarter Fresh Jazz Fest. My schedule is going to be posted on, on my Instagram. Yo, take a picture with me. Like, I'm going to, I want to make sure that, like, if you come see me, we take a picture together. We got that memory forever. I haven't done that a lot or enough in my career. I want to do that. Secondly is uh, for, for my internet presence, the, the Trumpet Studio is something I've been uh, using on YouTube for a long time now i think it's been three years four years damn it's crazy uh but yeah i've been pumping out videos there and it's called the trumpet studio which is what you know what uh, if you go to like a school of music like they call it the trumpet studio but really like it's a trumpet uh place to go get information so a lot of stuff i post really about people who teach trumpet player stuff i want them to know like you know what i'm saying some controversial stuff that i might say from a professional trumpet player who went from fourth and fifth chair to being you know like somebody who can play lead for a, a part of a gig uh, like not for the whole gig don't call me for a full lead gig <laughs> part of the gig uh, posting stuff like that is stuff that like I, I actually made the channel for or giving people resources for that type of thing and so like a little nugget I am I am the rogue person who's going to tell you I don't like that people start playing concert B flat for trumpet players first day or the first part of the day I don't like it you know why you teach the trumpet players every day, spending the majority of their time playing in a lower register that you never want to hear them play. I would personally prefer you start them on E flat or F, cool. And like from there, their chops are set up to work in a way that like you get the more bang for your buck. They grow as better musicians, they have more chops, all that. So like those types of nuggets I put on there, uh, st stuff like choppy efficiency, all that stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? The trumpet studio, uh, with Recio is like a place that you can go if you would like teach trumpet players or work with brass musicians, you get can get some nuggets. And that's that's really why I do it there. Trumpet players are obviously gonna have like a lot of a lot of resources. People making content for people who are actually educating trumpet players who don't play trumpet, it's not a lot of resources there. So I try to make content that like can go both ways. Beautiful, y'all. Y'all heard it here first, man. Go to the Trumpet Studio. Um, check Reseal out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, he got also got an OnlyFans page. Where yeah, he, yeah. Uh... <laughs> that, was, that, that was expensive, though. That was expensive. I, I, I take my hair down for that one, though. That's I take right. my hair down. You can see, all, you can see all, the, all the lock shaking, bro. Like... Hey, you go... <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Not hey. you. Not... 
<laughs> well, all right. Well, man, Richie, it's been great having you here tonight. And I'm, I'm so glad we had this opportunity to connect. It's been, it's been a minute. And, uh, man, I hope we get uh, an opportunity to be on a gig again sometime. Yeah, bro. Soon. I would and love to, bro. Let's do it. All the success. And uh, I hope also I'll see you on the road, man. We're, we're going to hook up somewhere. Hell so, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, y'all. Thanks, y'all. My name, is, my name is Darian Douglas. My name is Gregory Ajib. Y'all have a wonderful night. This is the Working Artist Project. We'll catch y'all later. Peace.